Coming up on the show, a typical story of girl meets boy. There are blue eyes that reached into my eyes, down through my body, and touched my clitoris. (laughs) And has incredible sex. I felt like my body and soul was filled with this warm, white light. Everything was going great, but then... And he looked at me with those piercing blue eyes, and he said, I'll take you to the poly room. Stay with us. My heart is beating, beating like an o'clock. My heart is beating, so you can hear it talk. This is YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Today on the show, stories of Alice's in Wonderlands, girls following their curiosity down strange rabbit holes. Here is our first story, Irma in Wonderland and the Tantric Sex Shaman. You heard me, Tantric Sex Shaman. That's what we're going to call him instead of his real name. The story was told to me over coffee in our pajamas by my friend Irma. We used to be really close when she lived in Brooklyn, but ever since she moved to Seattle, she just hasn't been the same. She's happier, and every time she opens her mouth, it's like... Chicken huts and artisanal beer crafting and polyamorous contracts and backyard breweries and rabbit gardens, organic stitch and bitch, orgy. Your life is Portlandia. Yeah, my life is Portlandia, basically. (laughs) But maybe like the R-rated version of it, (laughs) which is what we're about to hear. So I met the tantric sex shaman at a rabbit killing party. I have a friend who uh, wanted to raise her own meat because she thought when the apocalypse happened, she wanted to be ready. So she had chickens and then she ended up getting rabbits. I think she got in over her head because the thing about rabbits is they breed like rabbits. So all of a sudden this poor woman had like 20 bunnies on her hand and she had to have a rabbit killing party. So me as a meat eater, I was like, this is gonna be interesting. Like I wanna go check this out. So I went to the rabbit killing party And there was this guy there, and he was just the physical ideal of the man that I am so attracted to. Just tall, dark, you know, handsome, piercing blue eyes, you know, amazingly broad shoulders, like, just kind of lean and just super sexy and just a little bit hippie, a little bit arty. It was just like, I was like, wow. staring over him over dead bodies of mutilated rabbits and it was just super hot basically the way that they kill a rabbit is they put the broom over its neck and they kind of jump on the broom and its body kind of flips over from side to side so that's when we first made eye contact over the body of a of a of a flipping twitching dead rabbit and i'm guessing these aren't just blue eyes they're piercing they're like blue eyes that are that are sexizing you yeah they're they're blue eyes that reached into my eyes down through my body and touched my clitoris (laughs) is there a lulu hashtag for that i'm not sure (laughs) and so we started talking about you know like king arthur's knights and you know all this like crazy new agey topics and stuff and he was impressed I think we went on like one sort of date uh, where we met at a bar and then he started talking about how, uh, you know, 9-11 is this conspiracy theory that's been started by the Illuminati. 
yeah, that kind of thing. So I was just like, I just want you to close your mouth and shh. Yeah. Shh, don't talk. Don't talk. Shh, just be quiet. <laughs> but then we ended up like wildly making out in his car. And then I ended up going to travel for a few months. So we like lost touch. And I think we friended each other on Facebook. So a year and a half goes by. And I find myself uh, going back to school. And I'm studying, you know, like web stuff. And somehow I went to a farm to table event because, <laughs> you know, that's that's what they do out there, too. And he's there and, you know, we're like picking apples together and talking and kind of reconnect. I told him what I was doing in school and he said, oh, you know, of course, he does like body work. He does a neurosacral cranial fossil massage stuff, you know, that's kind of like beyond the beyond. So he's like, oh, hey, you know that's cool. He's like, Oh, uh, could you design a website for me? And maybe I don't have any money, but we could do a trade. So you can, you can work on this website for me and I'll give you body work immediately. That should have been like, we're going to fuck. <laughs> like That should have been the sign. Like we're trading web work for like body work. So I was just like, all right, sure. Had Tantric come up at this point? Tantric sex stuff? Well, you know, he's all about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just kind of like, that's what he is and what he does. And I mean, it's not like it came up verbally, but you know, it's obvious that that's part of his like realm or whatever. And you know, what, what he talks about and what he studies. So could you give us like the quick Wikipedia definition of tantric sex and philosophy i know it's a complicated i wish thing. i knew more about it but basically the idea of tantric sex being that when you're actually studying it it's not as sexy as you think what it is is actually there's lots of like eye gazing there's lots of just kind of like connecting in ways uh that are beyond the physical so instead of me just starting to touch you we would like stare into each other's eyes for a while from across the room and generate sexual energy that would like translate from you to me Right, in order to build this kind of like sexual thing without even touching each other. I think the common association with tantric sex is just waiting, like a lot of like build up and like a lot of like um, delaying satisfaction, mm-hmm. delaying right. Part of it off is the actually like yeah. Part of it for the guy, I think, is actually like, and he and he was telling me he was practicing this. You actually get to the point where um, you're about to come and you stop yourself and you push the like the orgasm energy back into yourself and then you make it kind of rise up your spine to like enlighten your like higher chakras (laughs) sounds insane (gasps) i can't even believe i'm talking about chakras i used to be an i just want everyone to know i used to be a brooklyn hipster (laughs) i just want everyone to know that you lived off the Lorimer stop before when it was still kind of unsafe. Yeah, I was like bitter and cynical about the world before it was even cool. And now I'm sitting here talking about tantric love and rabbit hutches and chakras. I've just, I don't know, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting soft. So we arrange it. You know, I go over to his place, which I've never been to before, and I've brought my computer and I'm ready to work on this blog, but I think we're probably going to end up doing the nookie nookie. So I'm like, that's okay. So I'm like, all set with my sexy underwear and my blog. And so we're all going to go. So he lives all the way up, uh, like way kind of like out of town. So I go over there and it's, and it's this, oh my God, Andrea, that house. (laughs) I don't even know where to start. So there was the couple that walked around naked all the time. And then there was uh, his channeler friend who was like kind of schizophrenic and kind of a cross-dresser. So his channeler friend basically was able to align his consciousness with interdimensional beings and communicate with these interdimensional beings about, you know, your spirit or your soul or your, you know, situation. 
The first time I walked into this house, it was just insane. I mean, there were the, these naked people hanging out in the living room, taking bong heads. So I was just like, okay. Uh, and then the channeler guy was kind of looking at this lamp and like touching this lamp. And then I walked in and he turned around and he just like stared at me with his crazy eyes. And he turned around and he looked at me and he goes, you've got the soul of an octopus, but the spirit of a werewolf. <laughs> and he's just like touching my face as he's like doing this and I'm just like okay and tantric sex shaman's like you want some couscous <laughs> I'm like what the fuck is going on oh my god do you know what channeling is no okay so his channeler friend basically was able to uh align his consciousness with um interdimensional beings yeah, aliens, um, dead people, spirits, energies. Uh, so it's really just a cover for multiple personality disorder. Or as, yeah, I think he actually had multiple personality disorder, but um, he was able to kind of like put it together. I mean, to be honest, he said a couple weird things to me that were like kind of psychic. And I was just like, this is kind of weird. From people in your life? He said something about school, like, oh... You know, you're you're working hard on the internet for school or something like that. And I was like, whoa, weird. That is what I do. And maybe, how did he know? You know what I mean? And then I realized that he's actually on Facebook. Five of his personalities are on Facebook. He's got like separate Facebook accounts for each personality. <laughs> it's just like, and then he just like posts all this like random stuff that he like, just kind of like weird gobbledygook stuff. But like you are in a graduate digital media course. Mm -hmm. Of course you're working hard on the internet for school. I don't know. Maybe I was a little drunk and it just seemed to make sense. And then he said something once about my dad, you know, having died. And I was like, how did he know that? And it was like really weird. And then I realized that, oh, you know, if he's on Facebook, one of his personalities could have easily just gone, gone through my Facebook pictures and kind of seen that. So I guess it kind of got. But anyway, so the other person that lives there uh, is his like ex-girlfriend ex stripper woman who she was one of those women, man. She was beautiful at one point in her life. I mean, she looked like Anna Karina from a Jean-Luc Godard movie. I mean, just beautiful Russian, high Russian cheekbones, soulful eyes, you know, and, and, you know, I was just like, wow. But she also had this like, kind of like used up stripper quality about her that was kind of sad. Like she was kind of like skinny, you know, and just kind of like also kind of schizophrenic. So she was dating the multi mul multiple personality cross-dressing channeler. So, you know, so sad schizophrenic stripper girl is dating multiple personality cross-dressing channeler guy. Um, but somehow it seemed to work. Like, you know, his, his, his multiple personalities were dynamic enough for her. And, you know, I'm sure they had pretty exciting weird sex. And so... I feel like there's a Wes Anderson film in there somewhere. There's, absolutely. I don't even know if Wes Anderson could handle this. I feel like this is more of a John Waters flick, honestly. <laughs> it's just so freaking weird, man. Contract sex shaman is like, let's go to my room, work on the blog. So I was just like, all right. So we go into this room, and I'm just like, wow, this guy's really in touch with his feminine side. Like the walls are this kind of like blue color. There's like these cute, like nice little candles. It's just it's got this real feminine energy in this room. You know, the bed is just like gorgeous and has these like nice sheets and, and like velvet. It's just total like seduction room, you know, and like seduction hippie tantric room. And I'm just like, this is awesome. 
come in so you know there's nowhere else to sit but on the bed so you know and so we um and so he's got some um you know weed and so we smoke some weed i think i worked on the blog for all of 10 minutes honestly Next thing I know, he's like, why don't I give you, you know, one of my neural craniofacial sacral massages? <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. This is where it just starts to get crazy. I mean, I had never, I mean, it was... <sighs> he massaged my face and my skull and my scalp, and it was just... I mean, I gotta say, I don't know what, there was some crazy energy coming out of his fingers and it was just, I, 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 I started to cry. I started to cry. I started to think about my childhood. It was just like really intense. He was just like releasing all of this crazy energy. And my head was kind of like upside down and on his lap and looking up at him. And so I could see his face like upside down. And he's just like, his like intensely blue eyes were like gazing into me as he's like doing this like massage and all this like energy is like emanating from my like head. And it was just like, oh my God, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting spine tingles just like remembering it. Oh God. And the next thing I know, I mean, yeah, the pants come off. I mean, forget it. I mean, forget it. Andrea, it was the best sex of my life. We connected on just multiple levels that I just never thought was possible to connect with someone in a physical experience. I, I, I don't even know where, how to describe it. First of all, there was a lot of eye gazing, which I guess I'm not totally used to like that level of intensity of eye gazing. You know, I'm used to like, kind of like awkward flirty looks and then, you know, don't look at me and look at me and don't look at me and this is kind of awkward. So, but it was just like, he held my gaze the whole time. And then I don't know what to say. He just knew what to do with my body. He knew when I wanted it soft. He knew when I wanted it not so soft. Like he just knew exactly what to do and exactly how to touch me. And it was just amazing. And oh, I just wanted to lick him all over. I had it just it just kind of like crept up my entire body and filled me with and, and I have to admit and I'm not one of those new agey people but I, I, I felt like my body and soul was filled with this warm white light did you just hear yourself I know I don't want to ever hear myself say that again <laughs> I felt like my body and soul was filled with this warm, white light. What did he do that was so incredible that you think anyone could take home and do okay. themselves? Yeah, no, totally. Let's bring the, the takeaway to this because I, I, I feel like everybody should learn a little bit of this. The eye gazing stuff was awesome. It set a level of intimacy that was deep and yet non-threatening. So that was great. The, I mean, this was, and I mean, really, we had had like, and then this is the other thing, foreplay, hello. There was like two hours of it. 
what was cool and i think that a lot of guys don't do this i think what happens with with guys i mean bless their heart they get a little robotic about stuff they think that they have these moves that are their signature moves and they do these moves every time and they don't understand that what girls actually like in bed is variety and that kind of variety is what made it so hot. We were there were times when we were like gently touching each other, and then there were times that it got a little like a little more rough. It was almost like the timing of it. Like he knew, like he knew what to do when. He knew when I kind of wanted it a little nicer. He knew when I kind of wanted it a little like more spicy. You know. So that means he was paying attention to you. Yeah, I guess it's really just all about paying attention. I mean, it's no magic tantric secret. Like, it's really just like be fucking present in the moment, you know? But I, I also felt that he was like hyper present in the moment. And by doing that, and then he had this way of drawing me into the moment to make me hyper present. And I wanted to give back to him. And, you know, we were we were truly making love. <laughs> I know this sounds... I can repeat that. So Shut up. Like, we were truly making love. We were truly making love. Warm, white, light. We were truly making love. We were truly making love. Oh, and we were both like bags. <laughs> I mean, come on. So we have this incredibly magical night and you know, I stay over and we're just like, we're just like wrapped in each other. It's just like beautiful. And then in the morning, I hear this on the door. Door pushes open and his girlfriend walks in and everything made sense. The feminine room, you know, the candles, you know, the way that he like closed the closet before I walked in. I mean, yeah, he wasn't really upfront with me about that situation. And she's completely like, hi, who are you? I'm like, uh, hi. She kind of like breezed in the room and was like, hey, sorry, I just got to grab a few things, you know, and she like went to the closet and grabbed a few things and just kind of like breezed out of the room. And I was like, who's that? And then he says, oh, that's my primary partner. <laughs> In what your your mortgage loan in in your business like what primary partner what you know and then it's just like oh and then it hit me I was like oh oh the room the purple the sheets the velvet yeah absolutely this makes total sense so we commenced to have a super weird breakfast where I'm sitting having cereal with him and his poly partner and channeler guy and ex stripper and naked people. Are they having breakfast? They're naked? all having breakfast together. No, I don't think they had breakfast naked, but the dude was never like never wore more than just like an underwear, his underwear and like a weird like sarong, like a batik sarong, you know, it's just like super weird. Yeah. And they all dated like everyone in that house had like dated and like at one point fucked each other. So it was just like, OK. And then, um, yeah, we have breakfast and then I'm about to leave to go home. And um, the primary partner girlfriend looks at me and says, Hey, you know, it was so great meeting you. Come back anytime. You're awesome. We love you. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> then she friended me on Facebook and I was just like, okay, so everything's copacetic. But everything wasn't copacetic. <laughs> She seemed like a cool person, and I was like, I guess we'll be friends and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I'd hear things from him later, like a couple weeks later, I was like, oh, you know, how's like Sabrina or whatever? And he was like, 
I had to go to the hospital and get stitches because Sabrina threw a space heater at me. So it's like all these like weird indications that something was like violently, seethingly wrong underneath this like we're all chill poly vibe, you know? It's just like, this doesn't seem quite right. The way he described it is Sabrina was never quite the same when she came back from her like vinyasa retreat or whatever, or vinpassana, I don't even know what it's called. She went to some like meditation thing where she had, she shaved her head and she like meditated for a week. And like, I guess he said that it brought up some like uncomfortable things and she was never the same and their relationship was never, never the same after they came back. But honestly, you know, I've been at their house and you know, when you're watching your boyfriend give a massage to like a hot 21 year old right in front of your face, you kind of want to throw a space heater at him. But I never knew what might happen when I go and open the door to that house and there was a spectrum. And the spectrum was anything from, I'm just going to go over there and get Stone and help him with his blog on one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is, there might be some kind of unicorn fairy alien orgy happening. <laughs> and I just didn't know what it was going to be when I walked in. And I thought that was actually kind of fun and sexy. So I walk into the house and on the couch, it's like him and his primary partner woman and her dude, her like secondary dude or whatever. And it's the three of them and they're kind of all cuddly wuddly on the couch and all like they're like smoking a bong and just kind of like kissing each other and sort of all on top of each other. And I walk in and it's just like all of a sudden like hella awkward for me. They didn't care. But I walked in and I was like, oh. Okay, do I join in? Do I, what do I do? So I didn't know what to do. So I kind of just took the bong and I went into the corner like alone and I'm just like smoking the bong and looking over there and feeling really uncomfortable and feeling really left out and weird, but also like not really wanting to join in, but also just kind of like feeling super weird about the whole thing. And so I was like, hey guys, do you want me to go and, you know, maybe just all hang out and that'd be fine. And Tantric Sex Shaman's like, no, 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 we're just, you know, we're just, we're just hanging out, you know, she's going to go to her room with him in a second. And, you know, I was like, oh, if they're going to her room, because the whole time it had been like, I'd go there and like, she wouldn't be there. Like she would come in the morning, you know, because she'd spend the night with her person at his place. And so me and Tantric Sex Shaman would be in her room. And so now we're in a situation where it's like, oh, okay, she's taking her dude to her room. And I was like, well, where are we going to go? And he looked at me with those piercing blue eyes and he said, I'll take you to the poly room. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are thinking is going to be in this poly room. I'm sure you guys are thinking there'll be lots of crazy sex toys and it'll be like super hot and super sexy, but... The mundane reality of it is, is that the poly room was a room in the basement that served as a multi-purpose space. It was a poly room. It was a laundry room. It was a home office. It was a place where the stripper left her collection of high heels. So, I mean, the poly room was a multi-purpose room. It, 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 it met a lot of needs for the household. <laughs> and you were like, oh my God, I have to touch that bed. Were you at all skeeved out by this room? Um, yes. Oh my God, yes. Andrea, yes. Are you fucking kidding me? The fact that it was a laundry room and an office and a fucking just sad little mattress with a sad little sheet. Like all of a sudden, like the sleaziness of the whole thing just kind of hit me. You know what I mean? I was just like, I was like, this isn't actually sexy anymore. Like, like I just, I can't, I just, you know, all of a sudden it just, it didn't seem as fun. 
I mean, I have to admit, when he said we're going to the, I'll take you to the poly room, I was like, oh, there's going to be like sex toy. Like I thought it was going to be like sex toys and, you know, like mahogany walls and, you know, like lots of velvet and like little feathers to tickle you with or like maybe you know stuff like that and I was just like this is gonna be awesome and so we go downstairs to the to, you know to the poly to the poly room slash office slash laundry room slash leftover stripper stuff and we sit down and we're smoking weed and I'm like trying to help him with his website and I was just like I'm too stoned to help you with your website dude I'm sorry and he's like well it's just uh, going to the bed you know so we're like lying on the bed in the poly room making out and I'm sort of like not really feeling it because I'm feeling skeeved out the room is really cold and there's just like one set of like sad little blankets there all of a sudden the fucking stripper just busts into the room she doesn't even knock she just busts into the room I'm half naked making out with this guy she busts into this room <gasps> I learned a new routine tonight do you guys want to see it and next thing I know before I could even blink I'm sitting on a chair an office chair in the poly room with this like sad sort of schizophrenic stripper giving me a lap dance and you'd think that it would be the sexiest thing ever but it was just it was so not it's just so not can i ask did your shirt come back on are you still half naked i i think i had my bra on anyway so i was just sitting there with like pants and a bra on and then all of a sudden this like you know, this like sad little stripper was like, check it out. You know, I, you know, I think if I gyrate my hips this way, then it's kind of like a different move, you know? And it's like one of those things where like you think it's just going to be the sexiest night of your life, but then it just ends up being just so sad, you know, and so like not sexy. And I'm just like, I want to go. <laughs> Did you leave? Okay, so no, that's the problem. I didn't leave. She did her little dance. I mean, at this point, it's like two in the morning. So I'm just like, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay here. So. This is when it starts to just get like, oh, my God. So she does her dance and then she leaves. And then Tantric Sex Shaman and I kind of, you know, do our thing. And we're, and we're lying in the bed in the poly room and his partner's upstairs with her, you know, dude. And we can kind of hear them. And that's like freaking weird because there's just like thin walls and stuff like that. I was just like, this is just so weird. I have to admit, you know. The poly thing, I thought, because when I didn't know about it, I was like, this might be a cool way to go. Like, maybe I could do this with someone, you know, maybe. And then you get your cake and eat it, too. And I got to admit, when I'm actually thinking about it, I can't imagine sitting in my room trying to read War and Peace while my boyfriend's butt banging some bitch in the poly room. It just doesn't doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me, man. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. So we're lying in bed together and then a knock comes on the door at about six in the morning and it's Sabrina as his primary partner woman. And she's like, you need to take me to the hospital because they need to redo my stitches after she like threw the space heater or ran at him with a knife. She cut herself or whatever and she had to get stitches and it was a few weeks later and I guess... I don't know. Something was weird about it. She seemed kind of jealous. Like, you know, she's knocking on our door at 6 a.m. demanding that he take her to the hospital to fix her stitches. And then he's like, next thing I know, he's like, I got to go, but you can stay here. So the sad ending to this story is he takes off to bring his partner to the hospital. And poor me is lying on this cold, sad bed in the poly room with one gross sheet you know, to just take, you know, keep me warm. And he was gone for hours and hours and hours. And finally, I just like left. Like, I didn't know what else to do. I just like left, you know, and he called back and he was like, where'd you go? And I was like, dude, 
I had to go. <laughs> was not happening here. I think that was the last time, you know, we hooked up. Actually, it was just kind of like, I can't, I can't with this anymore. It's just too weird. Just too weird, even for me. The other thing about this poly thing is like, who has the time to manage all this stuff? I, I, can't, I can't even barely date one person. I can't even keep up with my Facebook page. Like, I, who has the time to manage, like, multiple intimate relationships with different people, whereas everybody feels safe and everybody feels loved and everybody feels equal? I just, I just don't understand how people have the time for this stuff. And I asked him, I actually asked the tantric sex shaman about it. I was like, how do you have the time? And he's like, I'm unemployed. Oh, duh. Yeah. So it's, and so he's like, I'm unemployed. So I had a lot of time to work on this relationship. You know, to me, it's one of those things where it just, it seems like a lot of drama. It just seems like a lot of like extra management. Like if I was rich, maybe I could manage a personal, maybe I could have a personal poly assistant who kind of manages the ins and outs of my poly relationship. But as a, as an individual, I, 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 human relationships are tiring. They're tiring enough as it is to have like three or four of them and then manage a primary partner too. Like it's just making me exhausted thinking about it. Like I, I just couldn't deal. Amber, what did we learn here? <laughs> what is your takeaway let's, from this whole, this whole journey from the rabbit table <laughs> to the poly room? <laughs> if you had a lesson from this time in your life, what would you say it is? Oh man, I guess things are never what they seem which is an Alice in Wonderland kind of lesson. I learned a lot about uh, how something can go from super magical and hot to just kind of like sad and pathetic and lonely. Um, I, and I think those two worlds always existed side by side. I just didn't see the other side of the coin until then. Aramite is clearly down on the whole poly thing, but both of us are interested in hearing about poly success stories. We just don't know any of them. If you have one, tweet at Andrea Salenzi. I'd love to hear a counter story and present it on a future show. Addendum, they did break up uh, a few months later. Shocking. Yeah, and she defriended me on Facebook. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> How are we doing on food? Are you guys still need another minute? Uh, I'm ready to go. Well, no, do you, do you know what you want? I could go, yeah. Okay. Um, I will have the, um... And now I'm having brunch at Enid's in Greenpoint. Okay, just... Oh. Okay, I'll have the huevos rancheros, please. Okay. Um, can I get that without cheese? With my friend Joanna. Her mom's the subject of our next story. Mom in Wonderland, told by daughter at brunch. Can I get them poached? Is that yeah. weird? Yeah. Okay. Poached, no cheese. Uh, is the sour cream okay? Or yeah, the no sour dairy? cream. Okay. She says nothing beats a poached egg. Literally. She's one of my funniest friends, but also one of my most indecisive. Actually, yeah, I'm changing my mind. Can I also get the two eggs as you please? And I'll have that with a biscuit and collard greens. Okay, how do you want the eggs? Poached. It's a really lovely, abnormally warm day in December, and we're sitting outside. No huevos. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. 
I'm really indecisive. It's my worst quality. Drives people crazy. I was in this really stupid relationship for a while. I was doomed. But the one thing that was great about it is that I would get so stressed out when I would order things <clears throat> that he was like, do you just want me to order for you? And I was like, yes, I do. And he would always order for me and it was the best and it took off like all of this pressure. And while we're sitting there in light jackets gabbing, we spotted our other friend, Jenna, down the street. We've already done a little talking about you. So now we can stop. We don't have to do any more talking. We said that um, your expectations for our dating life are too high. I don't think so. <laughs> I think yours are too low. I think so too. We had really just been talking about her. The night before, I told her about a guy I had a date planned with, and she said, what's his name? Googled him, found videos of him on the internet, and then went on to send me screenshots of him looking really embarrassing in these videos. I'll just say there's a vest involved. That's it. There's a vest. Silk vest. But this is easy for her to do. She's in a happy, healthy relationship. She doesn't have to spend her day picking out the dweebs from the super dweebs on Tinder. When you're single, it's hard to remember that some guys aren't dweebs, that we don't just live in dweebville. Sometimes, when the winter gets cold, you need a friend with high standards. <laughs> um, I feel like maybe you do too much talking before you meet someone, really. Like, before you have your first date. You over-text and over-email, and then you, like, get turned off, and then, like, you're like, oh, out of my life. Yeah. No, but we met for real, and it was there. And now he's with his family, so we can't hang out again. Is the, that's what she said, guy, the weather guy. I just feel like... Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. I just feel like texting and emailing and all that stuff like yeah. really ruins things before they start. Did you I watch the agree. video where he slides into the frame? Oh my god, kill me. <laughs> no. I think that that I think that that's like an old him and I think that there's a new him. That's before he lived in New York. I think New York can make a guy more of a man. No, it makes him more of an asshole. That's what you mean by man. Yeah. He read all three Fifty Shades. All three. That's so weird. You already sound like you're over it, and you haven't even gone on a date. Or is it because you don't want to set yourself up for disappointment, and so you take it away from yourself before you... Okay, enough of my life. Let's get back to what we're really here to do. All right, welcome back. This is Ladies Who Brunch with Andrea. And Joanna. I'm Jenna. And we're getting ready to listen to a piece that Joanna put together. Joanna, what should we know before we listen? Uh, you should know that this story is a true story that my mom told me that I found very, very alarming. And that a lot of people get uncomfortable about the fact that my mom and I talked about this, but I don't know why. I don't know. Anyway, uh, and it's about sex, but in a very like abstract and silly way. Just a warning for everyone, Joanna's voice is a little annoying. Um, <laughs> no! That's so mean! So no, not true. <laughs> is this gonna what my piece is gonna be? Is you guys just making fun ow, of me on the ow, air? Ow, 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 ouch. <laughs> guys, stop punching each other. We're at a nice brunch plate. Okay, my voice is not annoying. It's not. I feel like this isn't a good setup for my piece, and I'm just being insulted. Wait, I think that I have to answer this. It might, might be about my the boob pots. Then Jenna left to get her boob pot. I think we should reset this up, maybe. They are uh, flower pots with boobs. 
I'll put a picture on the website for you all to see. I don't really, we don't need much setup. This this aired on KCRW's Unfictional, um, and and it and it made me. I'd met you a few times, but that was a moment where I was like, oh, we're gonna be friends now. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, basically, what came out of the piece, even though it's a really crazy weird story is that it's essentially like a love letter to my mom. I feel like that's worth mentioning. We're going to put on our little earbuds and look super dorky over brunch and uh, then we'll be back. Bye. From KCRW and KCRW.com, I'm Bob Carlson. and This, this is, is Unfictional. Unfictional. <laughs> Unfictional is KCRW's program of stories and original documentaries. It's a part of... Whenever I'm feeling... <laughs> insecure professionally I listen to this piece and I'm like I'm okay I'm really proud of it it's the best piece I ever made and also collaborating with Jacob and Bob was great two years ago I'm walking down Lindale Avenue in Minneapolis with my mom and all of a sudden she just stops in the middle of the sidewalk and she starts to stare at this old house that's across the street from us it's got a porch that's falling to pieces and chipped paint, and it's not in very good shape. But she just looks at it. The other day, we went back to that same street, and she remembered when she first told me the story of that house. We were just walking down the street when I told you the weirdest thing happened to me in that house over there across the street. And I told you the story of that terrible date you found it quite funny, to say the least, but it was more than that. You were so shocked that you almost pushed me into the street. I did push you. I, you did push me, but I didn't fall down, so there you go. I did push her. I'm the worst. I pushed my mom. I just couldn't help it. What she had just told me was so unbelievable. It just brought on this very physical response. It's been two years since she told me that story, and it stayed with me. So recently, I went over to her house, sat myself down at the dining room table, Hi. and had her tell me every last sordid detail. But this time, I made a promise to her. No pushing. My name is Claudia Solotaroff. live in Minneapolis. Oh, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. Am I? Really? You know what? You'll figure out how old I am when I tell you the story. If you can do some math. Okay, so this is something that you need to know about my mom. She's the most private person I know. She grew up in this extremely small, conservative town in southern Minnesota, and everyone knew everyone else's business. This made her really guarded. She never gives away too much about herself. In fact, up until she told me this story, I hardly knew anything about her life before I was born. She was worried I would judge her. So her telling me this story... This was a big deal for us. Okay, so here's pretty much the worst date I ever had. It was 1973 in Minneapolis. Well, as happens with all young people, there was new music and new styles and new fashions. And, and uh, there was this anything goes attitude there in the early 70s on the heels of the 60s we had less reservations and I was in a bar with some of my girlfriends this guy walks up to her and he's decked out head to toe full on 
Bee Gees style. He was wearing a, a big kind of blousey shirt, big pointed collar, small gold chain, tight flared pants, shoes that are very thick sole, blonde, medium height, very straight-laced seeming person. Wait, pause. Uh, so what do you think the modern-day equivalent of that guy is? Oh, that's a great question. He's like so done up to the times that, you know, in 30 years it's going to seem bizarre what he's wearing. I mean, I think in Brooklyn, I think it depends where you are, but I do think in Brooklyn it's like a guy with a giant beard or like a handlebar mustache and then an, like an old sweater. That like old-fashioned look with the, like a little... No, like, like a beanie. Yeah, like a beanie. Like a uniform. I mean, it's like, ugh, I hate talking about hipsters, but it is like... Yeah, I'm like every I yeah. Beanie handlebar mustache, tight pants or beard. And or beard and um boots. And like the red wing the red wing boots. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and he's on a really cool bicycle. Yeah. And um I mean he's in this park right now. I, yeah. There's one. Over there. She gives him the number, even though she doesn't have what you would call strong feelings for this guy. No, I was neither entranced nor repulsed by him. He was just somebody I would go out with. That's the checklist. Checklist. Entranced? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Repulsed? No. Okay. A couple of weeks later, he calls. They decide to have drinks and dinner. But as I recall, I met him in a bar at Lake Street, and we sat and had a couple of drinks. And uh, it was certainly not a bar where, where we would have dinner. So I thought we'd be, like, moving on to a restaurant or something. But he just suddenly said, as if it were very spontaneous, he said, hey, how about we have dinner at my place? My little brain said, oh, how nice a man who cooks, and I had this vision of him whipping something up in the kitchen. I have to tell you, I felt completely safe. She still remembers the sound of her gigantic platform shoes hitting the sidewalk as they walked to his house. Clunk, clop, 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 clop. So we get to his place, get in the door, and you could hardly open the front door because he had a chest freezer in there. And it was really huge. A huge freezer. An immense freezer. I never saw anything like that. And it was kind of almost blocking the hallway into the main part of the house. It sounds like the introduction to a horror film. It was the perfect size for a body. Bingo. So there we were. And then he said, to my great disappointment, he said... Well, I hope you don't mind if we have TV dinners. And TV dinners in those days, in the early 70s, were not even as good as they are now, (laughs) which isn't so good. And they came in these kind of big tinfoil packs. They had to be in the oven for 35 minutes. So, of course, I, I, with some disappointment, I said, no, fine. I I certainly had eaten some TV dinners in my day. I knew what... (laughs) what to expect. Okay, so this is the part of the date where if it were me, I would say, 
You can take your TV dinners and stuff it, and then I would have gone home. Apparently, I did not inherit my mother's unfaltering politeness. And he opened this chest freezer, and uh, inside of there indeed was a lot of TV dinners, very large assortment of them. There was Salisbury steak, fried chicken, and I believe some sort of roast beef kind of thing. So I was looking in the freezer, and that was like half full of the TV dinners, and the other half was full of some objects. Frankly, I had never seen one of these in real life before. I knew they existed. I had heard tell of them. But the other half of the freezer was full of frozen dildos. At this point, her eyes are going from the TV dinners to the dildos and then back to the TV dinners again, and the guy just stands there. Finally, he speaks. Well, I have to tell you something. Every Wednesday night, I have a sex club in my house here. And I kind of invited you over to see if you'd like to join. Um, I, I was speechless. And he explained to me how it worked, um, that people came over to his house at maybe 7, 8 o'clock on Wednesday night so he could be home at a decent hour. Everybody would pick out a TV dinner from his vast collection in the freezer, and they would put the TV dinners in the oven, and uh, while they were in the oven, which was 35 minutes, they would have group sex. And then when the timer on the oven went off, then they would all grab their TV dinners and Well, they put their clothes on, I'm sure, so they wouldn't get burned or anything and uh, eat their TV dinners and go home. And that's the part where I push my mom in the street. I just can't believe that my nice, cute mom was in such a predicament. I mean, if anything, I feel sorry for her. And what about this man? Who does he think he is? What kind of person springs something like that on someone? I wish I could go back in time and tell him off, like, hey, don't invite my cute mom to your weirdly practical, poorly catered sex party. And then you know what I would do? I would take one of his TV dinners and I would dump it on his gross 70s shag carpeting. She's always so worried about me, but this is way worse than anything I've ever experienced on a date, or maybe even ever. I could not say a word. I was shocked. And, um, And I suppose I was getting a little bit scared and thinking I'd better get away from this person. And I just turned around, and I just ran. And in those big, clumpy shoes, I just galloped off into the sunset, and I never (laughs) did hear from him again. It was during this conversation at the dining room table that I was finally able to get answers to all of the questions that had been haunting me for the last two years. Why in the freezer? I don't understand why the dildos were in the freezer. I don't either. (laughs) I assume that they were, I'm so sorry to say this, but I assume that they were shared. I don't know if people had, like in grade school, you put a little tag on it. (laughs) (laughs) Little post-it. Little post-it. They didn't have post-its in those days, silly girl. (laughs) Um, I think that your mother would sew it. 
<laughs> fabric tag on your possessions. Do you think people were there more for the sex or more for the free TV dinners? If the sex was as good as the TV dinners, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can't. What do you do in 35 minutes while you're waiting for a timer to go off? And You and, can do a lot of things in 35 minutes. I wouldn't know, sweetie. Oh, come on. A whole group of people, 35 <laughs> minutes, and then the, the smells of all those cooking TV dinners <laughs> wafting over you. Hot Salisbury steak Hot gravy. Steak. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of like mood music for the nose, I guess you'd call it. Even though we're both laughing there, it wasn't easy for my mom telling that story. I'm a little bit embarrassed by it. I don't know why. You know, here here we go. That's my little upbringing. There was a kid who got in trouble in grade school for saying the word belly button. I mean, that's how conservative things were. Coming from that background, you know, still there's part of me that says a nice girl would not say a word like dildo in public. Okay, so up to this point, if you didn't know that my mom is from the Midwest, you'd know it now. Listen to how she finds something nice to say about this guy. This was a good, polite boy who had read one too many Playboy magazines. A good, polite boy? She doesn't even blame him. She explained to me that being in your 20s in the 1970s was really complicated. The youth from her generation grew up during the conservative 1960s, and then all of a sudden they had to navigate their way through the sexual revolution. Think about it, the introduction of birth control, free love, the peace and feminist movements. This guy, this guy represents a complete navigational breakdown. I I just feel like that man was just caught between eras or something. Our idols, you know, were the Rolling Stones something to aspire to. Wild, free, say anything, do anything. And yet, there's the hangover of your upbringing where you're, you know, very polite and proper. For example, in the 1960s, you always fed your guests. When you you invited somebody over, you would offer them something to eat. And if you had invited them over at mealtime, you would probably serve them a meal. And in the 70s, apparently you were just supposed to cut straight to the group sex. So but this guy, this guy just did both. Being a single guy, he wasn't about to cook every time, so he included the TV dinner as part of the package. In retrospect, shall we say, he was totally innocent. He thought this is what maybe all oh, the Playbelly Mansion would be like. <laughs> <laughs> I really think he was... A, little Hugh Hefner wannabe, and he, well, best he could do was TV dinners and dildos in the freezer. (laughs) That's so depressing. Thank you. So here's where it gets really weird. Despite the dildos, the Salisbury steak, and the group sex, this story was actually a turning point for us. It was the beginning of my mom becoming more open with me. She likes this story best of all because it allowed me to understand not only the person that she is, but the person who she used to be. I have a thought, I have a thought, that probably telling this story did more than 
an awful lot of explaining or trying to define things. This little slice of life, this very, very tiny event, really summed up a lot of, of I think I think you got a picture of the lifestyle, the times, what I was like. Since that fateful day on Lindale, my mom has shared many more stories with me from her past. They've made me realize two things. First, Minneapolis in the 70s seemed like kind of a gross and seedy place. Second, I wish I could somehow meet, get to know this younger version of her. This woman who wore short, short dresses, rode on the backs of motorcycles, and lived illegally inside of an abandoned salmon factory. The woman who went on that terrible first date. She eludes me in those big platform shoes of hers, but these stories, they bring me closer to her. Um, I wish him well. I hope he had a successful career in whatever he chose to do. I'm sure it wouldn't be in the sex trade, though. And that was my worst date. (laughs) She's so, like, thoughtful. Like, I wish him the best. That story was produced by Joanna Solotaroff and edited by Jacob Conrad and myself. Oh, and one last thing. I'm sure you've heard this song before. It was recorded by the band Lip Sync when they were living in the Twin Cities. Supposedly, the song is about how they were dreaming of moving to New York, but I don't buy it. I think what we now know is that Minneapolis really is the original funky town. I want to take There it is. Little Minneapolis. It's down the street from Prince, right? Hey, you know it. Um, let me stop this. I felt like it was such a gift to have. It's It almost saddens me in a way. I mean, I love hearing my parents' stories, and I would listen to them no matter what. But to be able to sit down and talk through the story with my mom with this sort of intentionality um, is that a word? Intentionality? Mm-hmm. That is a word. And this sort of um, purpose is really great. And also just to have this record, because that's what I love about this story, too, and that was a focus that um, Bob kept emphasizing with me, is he said it's not just about your mom's story. I want it to really highlight the way you and your mother interact with each other, because I do think we have um, a very special an unusual relationship and I think our sense of humor is the cornerstone of that relationship and so to be able to just um, with this piece it let me not only fully immerse myself in this story of hers that I love so much but it's such a wonderful record of our relationship and I liked that this piece because it was sort of a longer form piece too. I was actually, I always got the story as like an anecdote. You know, like, isn't that crazy? The dildos in the freezer, group sex, microwave dinners, ah! And it's just sort of that like wild response, knee jerk response. But it was through this story that I really understood sort of the implications or what the story represented to people of her generation. 
Because really, can you imagine going from the 1950s to the 1970s and having to just have your viewpoint take a total 180? And just sort of this cultural confusion that was taking place for this man. I mean, that's why we watch Mad Men, right? Yeah, I, right? I don't know. It's just nice a nice reminder that she went through times where she was kind of... Uh, where she felt as weird as I often do now. You know what I mean? I'm kind of amazed by the attitudes that my mom had to navigate, even in the 70s and, and 80s. I don't know how people do it. I mean, she uh, like I, she got married when she was 19 because she felt so much pressure from other people. She was the last in her high school class to get married, the very last one, and she got married when she was 19. You know, and she was like, I don't, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I think my mom was always like a very independent thinker, but she grew up and she talks about this in the piece in this very, very small, very conservative Minnesota town. Um, and yeah, she wasn't allowed to say the word belly button. You know, like, how does that, they said that that was like too crude. So like, how does that affect your relationship with yourself to be so censored? And I think that is why she's so private and so guarded sometimes but um as we got closer she revealed a lot about herself and now like I think we have much more of a best friend relationship than a mother-daughter relationship and we didn't actually get super close until after I was out of college so working on this story I don't know it just felt like a gift it's I'm so happy to have this record of us together that was Joanna Soltaroff in Greenpoint And that's the show. Both Alice's turned out okay. No harm done. I'm Andrea Salenzi. You can subscribe to the YOY podcast and learn more about the music I feature by visiting yoyradio.com. And visit kcrw.org to subscribe to the unfictional podcast. Highly recommend it. It's a lot like my show, only all the stories are always true, and it's edited by paid professionals. I tweeted an awesome veggie platter today at Andrea Salenzi. Merry Christmas to the Claps family, who have likely destroyed my incredible innovation in veggie platter design by now. You guys are the best. Our podcast artwork is by Santa's helper, Greg Harrison, at gregcircanow.com. I heard he did all the t-shirts for Santa's reindeer this year. Congrats, Greg. Way to go. Thank you also to my latest batch of iTunes reviewers, Dreams and Doings, Grace Money, and RDS29. I'll be back with another show on New Year's Day. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, and online at WFMU.org. All of a sudden, I was just like, oh, man, I hope they, like, wash the semen out of these sheets, man, because I just don't feel... Well, it's easy to do because the washer dryer's right Right. (laughs) It's not like they had to take it to the laundromat or or even carry it down a flight of stairs. Just like the moment the semen hits the sheets, you just throw it right in the washer dryer. That's the best part about the poly room. I mean, it serves multiple functions, you know? It's just, you know... Cleanup is easy in the poly room. (laughs) 